Here's what's coming up on today's show. Did you know some retirement decisions can't be undone? It's important to know why these decisions are so important and can't be undone later. Join Mark and I as we talk about what you need to know to make the right call on important retirement decisions. It's easy to get lost on the way to retirement. Things like taxes, improper planning, and excessive market risk can all lead you astray from your goal of a successful and happy retirement. That's where Liz Whittaberry comes in. She's a holistic financial advisor and the founder of Best Path Advisors, and she can help guide you to a better financial path. This is Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry. Welcome into this edition of Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry and myself here to talk about uh, some good topics as always on the podcast, getting it right, irreversible financial decisions, plenty of decisions that we make and things we got to deal with uh, in life and in retirement as well. And on this episode, we're going to talk about some of the reasons why these might not be able to be undone. So we want to get them right the first time, and that's on the docket today with Liz. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. You can find all the information at Liz's website, bestpathadvisors.com. That is bestpathadvisors.com. She is the founder and financial advisor. What's going on, Liz? How are you? I am good. Just hot here. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about that before we started rolling. It's yes. been toasty uh, this weekend, and uh, we're taping this on a Monday morning. Uh, we're both kind of like, oh, it's a Monday morning. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was very hot over the weekend. And I know uh, I have some clients that are up north, and they were talking about their weather up there is even starting to get a little muggy. Yeah, it's a little taxing sometimes when it's super duper hot uh, and you got things to do. But anyway, it is what it is, right? It's July. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the name of the game in July all across the country. But let's get into this conversation this week. Let's get things right uh, the first time, Liz. And so we might as well start with the elephant in every room, it seems to be, when it comes to retirement. And it's usually the Social Security elephant, right? It's the big conversation about you know, when do I turn it on, right? Everybody gets kind of hung up on this uh, conversation piece because it's, you know, for whatever reason, right? Um, it seems like the the last reason is usually because you actually need the money. Usually it like, seems like the first couple of reasons are it's going bankrupt or uh, I don't want mm-hmm. them to screw it up or, you know, something like that is the reason people want to say they want to turn it on earlier. The government just owes me because right. I paid into it. And if you need the money, that's one thing. But let's talk about why you need to make sure you get it right, because you really can't. Technically, you do have one little mulligan, if you want to use a golf term, uh, and I'm sure you'll mm-hmm. explain this. But uh, once you turn it on, you're pretty much set. Yeah, that is right. That's right. Sometimes what people don't understand is that whatever age you're at when you turn it on, that is your starting amount, and you don't get an increase later. So nope. if you turn it on early you're going to have a reduction in benefit and it's going to be a permanent reduction right. in your benefit. Right. And that's important to know and to understand what that amount is. Now, it, it could still be correct for some people to go ahead and file earlier, but if you have a permanent reduction in your benefits, then it could also impact the survivor benefit. So I want to talk through that. If your full retirement age is 66, then you would have a 25% reduction to start at age 62. Right, right. That's so if a lot. your benefit is 2000, yeah, if your benefit is 2000 then it's now going to be 1500 and it will increase with cost of living adjustments. If your full retirement age is 67, it's a 30% reduction. Yeah, it gets hefty. So that same 2000 at age 67, 
when you start that at 62, that's 1400. Mm -hmm. Now that's going to impact the survivor benefit and the survivor gets the a larger of their own benefit or your benefit. So if you're the higher income earner and you turn yours on early, then you could be impacting what your spouse would get if your spouse outlives you because they'll get whatever you're collecting or 82 and a half percent of your full retirement age. There is a minimum amount to protect that survivor in case you have started early. But that same 2000, 82 and a half percent of that is 1650. So that could be a pretty big reduction in benefits depending upon how long one or the other of you is going to live. And you really have to think about the longevity of both people. Yeah, definitely. And, and as we mentioned, there is, you know, there is that kind of caveat, that mulligan do over. If you do go in and turn it on, uh, you know, most people will just hear that once you set it, you know, you're, you're stuck with it. Technically you do have one year to change. You do it. Have, mm -hmm. Yeah. You do have one year to repay the full benefit. <laughs> and that's the kicker, right? <laughs> most yeah. of the time people are like, well, wait, I have to give the, you have to give the money back if you decide to, you know, redo it, right? Basically. You have to give all the money back yeah. and then it's as if you did not start. And you can do yeah. that within one year. You used to be able to do it all the way up to age 70, but they oh, changed wow. that. Yeah. You can also, once you get to full retirement age, you can stop and then restart at age 70 and you will get those 8% increases, delayed retirement increases, but mm, okay. You don't get the bump up. You just get that eight percent increase on what you were collecting. Gotcha. You can. You you're can not adding. You're not adding to the numbers when you stop that time frame. You're just turning it back on at the eight percent. Correct. Yeah, you're getting gotcha. the delayed retirement credit. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. On your reduced benefit. Yeah. Okay. Which yeah. is, you know, which is something that could be worthwhile to some people. That eight percent a year could be worthwhile if they started early and and now at full retirement age uh, can stop. Yeah get the 8% increase and then turn it back on with that bigger number later. You can also, if you're past full retirement age, you can take a retroactive benefits up to six months earlier. Mm, okay. Uh, and that can, that can be a good deal for some people. They pay you that in a lump sum. And so if you've waited, but then something comes up and you need the money, you can actually get six months retroactive uh, benefits. Mm, yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of little caveats and hoops to jump through, but ideally you, you don't want to really try to mess with all that stuff, right? Because it gets pretty complicated. So basically most people are, you know, in the mindset when you turn it on, that's where you're at and that's what you're stuck with. So make sure you're not turning it on at 62 just because you think, you know, for whatever reason you want to turn it on, make sure it's the right mathematical reason to be turning that on uh, and then go right. from there. Yeah. Look at, look at the numbers, make sure, you know, look at whether you're working or not look at the longevity of both of you and make a decision that's for your own situation. Yep. Yeah. Social security maximization and strategizing is very important. It's a huge piece to many uh, retirement puzzles. So make sure that you are certainly working that one out with your financial professional. All right. That's the first one on the list. Uh, this one, I don't believe there is any kind of do-overs, uh, electing spousal benefits on your pension or not. Uh, tell me the dealio here, Liz. It can be tempting, I think, to pick the biggest number. Sure, yeah. When, when, you, when you have a pension, they'll send you a letter and, and say, here's all your options. Uh, if you take this type of benefit or this type of benefit, here's what your monthly payment will be. And a lot of people will look at that and want to take that biggest number, which is the life-only pension. What that means is that pension is going to be paid for as long as the person who earned it is living and then when they pass away 
it stops. So if I use an example and I say Ted and Sue are my example couple, if Ted wants that biggest retirement income and he's thinking, you know, my family has longevity, Sue and I are going to live a long time. Uh, this will give us the biggest income over our lifetime. He elects the life only pension. And then, you know, three months after he gets, gets that started, he's run over on the freeway. Uh, <laughs> right. Sue's going to get nothing. And it's a risk that you have to be aware of and think through. If you take the joint and survivor option, that's going to give some percentage to your spouse. It could be 100%, 75%, 50%. Those are the most common percentages. And the income will start lower, but it will continue to pay your spouse even if you pass away early. So if Ted had selected 100% joint and survivor income, it would have been a lower amount. But if he was run over on the freeway, then his pension would continue to sue in that same exact amount as long as she lives. And that's probably pretty appealing, right, to the Sue's, yeah. right? Because And certainly you don't want to go selecting this option without talking with your advisor and your spouse, right? Because you don't want to say, hey, I selected the, the bigger money, but you get nothing if I die. That might not make them very happy, right? So you want to make sure you've got that strategy there. And another thing I want to mention here is that, you know, when you're looking at your pension options, it's really important to also compare the pension money, whatever the income is, to current market rates. Mm, okay. How can you do that? If you elect a lump sum, then you would compare that lump sum amount and what that lump sum could buy you against the pension income. You could take the lump sum, use that to buy an annuity that provides a guaranteed lifetime income that is similar to the pension and find out if you could get a higher income or could you get an income that increases over time because most pensions don't increase. And do your due diligence. You may or may not be able to. It really depends on market rates and how the pension is designed and, and what rates they're paying out. But sometimes you can improve your situation and sometimes that pension is the very best income option for you. But at least that way, you know. Yeah, definitely. And that's really, you know, half of the... The battle, a lot of times, maybe more than half, is is getting the information so that at least you know, and then you yeah. can make those informed decisions. Which is, you know, part of the reasons that we do the podcast to share, hopefully, some good, useful nuggets of information with folks. All right. So on these next two, Liz. Now, technically, there's probably you probably can reverse your decision on some of this stuff, but it gets really complicated or expensive. And so let's talk about the next one here, which is getting life insurance, because obviously somebody could say, well, I could probably get life insurance at any age. But we all know, right, the older we get, the more expensive it gets. Or if a diagnosis happens, right, things could get in mm -hmm. there. So but let's talk about, you know, deciding whether or not we need it, because many people feel like they don't need life insurance. Well, you know, that's something I got when, as, a, as a younger person, right, when I had, you know, kids in the home still and, you know, yada, yada, yada. As a, as a senior, many people feel like life insurance may be, maybe not uh, on the table anymore. So let's talk about why it could be. Yeah, I would say that you're absolutely right. You need to be insurable at the point in time that you get life insurance. Most retirees don't need life insurance for the traditional reasons to pay off the mortgage. That's the or, keyword, right? provide income to spouses, put kids through college, right. but they might want life insurance for legacy goals. Exactly. You know, let's, let's go back to, to Ted and Sue. If Ted has a very large IRA that's going to be taxable at his death, and they want to think through some of the strategies for reducing the tax on that, one thing they could do is leave the IRA to charity at death and replace that with a tax-free death benefit to their kids. 
Uh, and that would be a an example of a reason, a creative reason to have life insurance in retirement. And you would only want to purchase life insurance if the cost was good. You, you want to have a good price for the insurance that you're receiving. So you would definitely want to be insurable. Retirees could also want or need insurance for long-term care. And this is really the bigger reason that I see people considering any kind of insurance in retirement. There are life insurance policies that will provide a long-term care benefit, and that can pay a monthly benefit to reimburse you for long-term care costs, or it can pay a monthly benefit just if you qualify, uh, can't do two out of six activities of daily living, or have a cognitive impairment, mm-hmm. and and you can get a monthly amount from this life insurance policy that reduces the death benefit. But it gives you money to use for that purpose. And then if you don't use it, the death benefit goes to your family. So that would be another potential reason for having some kind of insurance. It gets very costly if you have, you know, if you wait very long and you have health issues that have come up or you may not even be able to get it. And so it, it is much better if you're even interested to look at that early on and make a decision look at it while you're still healthy and say, yes, this makes sense for me. No, it doesn't make sense for me. And again, then you've done your due diligence. Yeah, exactly. And finding out the right reasons that you want to use it. Again, it may not be for those traditional reasons that we often think of life insurance for, as Liz pointed out, uh, but there are other benefits that could be on the table. So you don't want to wait too long because again, it changes the price or makes you uninsurable. All right. Then the final one is choosing a retirement date. Well, again, you could technically, yes, you could change this. Although I guess if you turned in your notice, Liz, and you you, you went through all the paperwork at work to uh, close out, you know, with HR and all that kind of stuff, and you went, ah, eh, changed my mind. Eh, maybe that could be too late, right? I guess that could be a, a, a bit of a hassle you couldn't undo. But still, you want to go ahead and get your retirement date penciled in and kind of set up correctly so that when you do put in that notice, everything is, you know, locked in place and ready to roll. Yeah. And I say this, this goes back really to a lot of the things we've talked about in the past that you need to stress test the plan. You need to know that if you live a very long time, you've got enough assets, income, and flexibility in your plan that will carry you through living the lifestyle you want to live. Right making the gifts you want to give, doing the things that you want to do. I have more and more people that want to retire earlier so that they can enjoy going and doing while they're healthy and active. Mm -hmm. Um, And a plan will let you know that you can do that. I have other people that want to work later, and, and that's great. But a plan will also let you know that if something came up so that you couldn't work any longer, that you would be fine. And so having that plan just gives you the ability to to know that your retirement date is a good date for you or that you are ready to retire anytime if you had to. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not like you can't go back to work. We're not talking about that, right? There's a difference in wanting right. to go do some extra stuff. But if you're talking about, again, like with the, with the corporate job or the big job or whatever the case might have been, it's pretty, un, you know, 
implausible, not realistic that you're going to be able to go right back into the workforce at the same job, at the same pay, same seniority. Like those kinds of things don't happen, right? So you want to get it right the first time. And we're again, we're not talking about saying, "Oh, I'm bored in retirement. Let me go find something else to do." That's completely different. Just making sure that you have that retirement date correct the first time when you walk away from you know maybe that lifetime job or whatever the case is, and having that strategy and plan, Liz, to your point, will help you do that because you'll have all the ducks in a row, and then you'll know, yes, this is a good date for us to put in. This is when I'm going to let them know I'm done. Yeah, and I think expanding on what you just said, beyond knowing that you can retire, you need to know what are you going to do when you retire? For sure. Some people retire and then they realize, eh, you know, this isn't exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> Other bored, people retire right? and they absolutely love it. Their days are full. So you need to know what's your purpose going to be, what's going to get you out of bed yep. in the morning, excited to greet the day. Who are you going to spend your time with besides your spouse and sitting around at home? You know, what are the what are the things that you're going to do? Who's going to be your new circle? If, mm-hmm. if it's mainly been your work friends, then who are you going to be going to lunch with or doing other things with? What is your plan to learn and grow in retirement? You know, retirement can be one of the best times of your life if you're very intentional about it. That's a good point. I mean, there's a lot of pieces to be intentional about, right? There's a lot of moving parts. So we want to make sure we get them all correct. And that's part of, you know, retiring on your best path, right? It's not just the X's and O's. It's all all of it. Absolutely. And so all of these decisions help you support your best retirement. And then you have to make the most of it with your intentional plan. There you go. All right. So that is our conversation this week on getting it right the first time. uh, Some places where it's some irreversible financial decisions or at least really, really troublesome and costly if you do change your mind. So just get it right the first time and do so with a strategy and a plan in place. And of course, Liz can help you if you're not already working with her uh, and you've checked out the podcast. Consider subscribing to the podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify so you can catch new episodes when they come out uh, as well as check out some of the past episodes. And you can find all the information along with some good tools, tips, and resources at Liz's website, bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. Liz, thanks for hanging out as always. I appreciate you on this uh, Monday morning when you and I are both in slow mode, but we're going to get rolling because <laughs> we got a week ahead of us, that's for sure. So, Well, thank you, Mark. It's always good to talk with you. Absolutely. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whitaker. The preceding program is sponsored by Best Path Advisors, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. Best Path Advisors, J.W. Cole Financial, and J.W. Cole Advisors are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by Liz Whitberry should not be construed as specific tax, legal, or investment advice, nor as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Neither J.W. Cole Financial nor its representatives provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W. Cole. Investing is subject to risks, including the loss of principal. Due to volatility within the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed. 